Welcome to Q&A, a deeper dive with Sam Holm and other guests as we dig deeper into the sermon content each week. And good day to you. I'm sitting here with Chris Havard. Uh, actually, Harvard is how I always spell it. No, it's Havard. You um, and the rest of the world. Yes. Our executive pastor, and Sam is out for the week. He's actually studying. I'm kind of excited because he's studying for the next year, um, uh, uh, kind of what we're going to be preaching starting in January and through the next year. We kind of have this mapped out already. Um, if you want a little behind the scenes, we're going to be right after Easter, we're going to be in the book of Daniel for a while. Um, looking through that through the whole summer, different speakers, as we all take our vacations here on staff, different speakers come in. And I don't know if you've read Daniel, but that last part from about chapter seven on is kind of crazy. So uh, start praying now. I think, Chris, you even have one of those days. (laughs) Yes, I uh, have drawn. I I feel that our pastor... well, he really loves me by giving me one of these really tough passages. I think you have the passage where the goat comes and eats the ram <laughs> and then grows four horns and the horns turn into countries and sure. all sorts of stuff. But, Super easy to understand. But uh, I do want to remind you, be sure to like, share this podcast, all that kind of stuff. But you can take a moment right now and pray for Sam, even if he's back already. He always needs the prayer. Um, we had a pastor once said that he wishes he is the most prayed for person in McKinney. And I wish that for Sam also. Um, but if you didn't catch last week's sermon, it was from uh, a guy named Bill Katz, who is a Messianic Jew, and he came in and kind of led us through the Seder, and it was actually very, very, very good. So if you haven't, the 1045 service is out there, firstmckinney.com slash on demand. Be sure to go to listen to that, even as we start to walk through that Easter season. It's a good uh, point. My takeaway was just his part, how the clues are right there for the Jewish people as they walk through the Seder, um, from where the matzah bread is hidden, all that. Uh, It just I, I can't say all the Jewish words they use or the Hebrew words they use, but uh, it was a good one. Do you agree, Chris? Oh, man. Uh, it just it makes that whole thing come alive. And, you know, a lot of people struggle with—they uh, do better with the New Testament. The Old Testament kind of seems a little uh, hard to relate to, but, man, hearing that guy and that—I think that really helped bring that alive uh, and illumine for a lot of people. Oh, see, this is yet another thing of how the Old Testament points to Jesus. Uh, once he explains it, you're like, it's almost kind of a no-brainer. And as we looked at prophecy the week before, it kind of yes. flowed right in there. And and if you're following along in Mark, that was basically Mark 14, the Passover meal. As we go in this next week coming up, I'll hit this at the end of the podcast, but Sam's going to look at the crucifixion. It'll be Palm Sunday. And then the week after that, we're on resurrection. And then, like I said, we get to jump into Daniel and the lion's den, the furnace, and so much more. Um, but I am sitting here with Chris. Oh, and I forgot to say this. If you have a question, I know we got one in this week, and I'm actually going to save that for Sam because it fits kind of with what uh, he's preaching on with the resurrection or with the crucifixion on Palm Sunday. Um, So we'll save that one for next week. So I do want to let you know we are getting your questions, but you can text the word question to 96123 and we'll get that and I'll share that with Sam and and we'll go forward. But I brought Chris in because the past two weeks, if you've been in the service or watched it online, we've taken a discipleship survey. And so I wanted to pause, take a time out, whatever the right word is for this podcast and dig a little deeper to why we did the discipleship survey. And I know we've done it two weeks, Chris, but kind of walk us through you. I don't know, think you've had a fully chance to digest it, you or Ben or uh, Rob, whoever's looking at the survey, but 
tell us some of the findings that just from the initial sure. uh, glance at it. My question may be, why did we stop down for two weeks to do that? Um, and I try to say that this Sunday, but, um, you know, if you were coaching a team and somebody said, oh, you, you coach that team, how's your team doing? You said, oh, man, our team's really good. We're really good. Oh, yeah, so you win a lot of games? Oh, I have no idea how many games we win. Oh, okay, well, do, do, does your team score a lot of points? Oh, I, we have no idea how many points you score. We never have a clue on that. You would say, wow, you're not necessarily a great leader and <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably not a great coach. Well, churches are notorious for saying, hey, we have this mission and we're going to we're gonna do X, Y, Z. How are you doing on that? Well, we don't know. <laughs> so why did we do the discipleship survey? Because our mission is to make disciples who live in love like Jesus. So every once in a while, a good organization, I think, should pause and just be like, so how are we doing on that? And so the most number of people together at one time is the worship services, so we did it then. Uh, and yeah, it was really cool because um, when we did it for a baseline last year, uh, we felt like there was roughly uh, about 105 to 110 people who were doing what we would kind of call Jesus-style discipleship. You say, what does that mean? Uh, we'll talk about this later, maybe in the podcast, but... Yeah. Um, if you watch Jesus, uh, what he did and what American churches call discipleship are not necessarily the same thing. And so when we say Jesus-style disciple-making, we mean I meet with someone intentionally for the purpose of raising them up so that they can then turn around and do this with someone else who will do this with someone. That's what Jesus did. And so when we say, when we did that first one last year, we had about 105 to 110, we think, as far as responding on the survey, we probably have more than that in the church. Uh, that's what we were talking about. This time we did it, and it looks like it's about 165. And so in one year, we've already made a lot of progress uh, on that. Now, uh, there are a lot of other people doing a lot of things under the umbrella of discipleship. And, and again, we can talk about that here in a second about what do you mean? What's, what does that mean? What is the difference between that and, and what you just, that other number you gave me? So we can talk about that here in a second, but uh, really exciting. Another thing was kind of pretty interesting was two-thirds of the people uh, are are in a life group, but a third of the people that answer the survey are not in the life group. And so uh, that's okay, uh, but we would we would love to see some folks maybe get more involved in a life group because we believe that's one of the ways. It's not the way. It's one of the ways. One of the tools God allows us to grow and to become a disciple of his is to be in a life group. Uh, there's no question God intended us for it to live in community. I mean, that's a, it's a four, I mean, look at the Trinity. Uh, so God exists in community. He wants us to exist in community. He never intended for anybody to be a Lone Ranger Christian. So when we get the survey back and a third of the people that answered it said, hey, I'm not in a life group, that's a great opportunity for us as a church to, okay, that that's something we probably didn't realize. And that's something maybe, maybe we need to talk about that some more, cast some more vision with people about why do I need to be in a life group, you know? Um, so anyway, there, there's probably some other things, and we'll 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 bring out those those other interesting data points at a, at a later date. By the way, when you said sports team and you went through that, I couldn't help but think you're an A and M. So mm. there's only one win you cared oh, okay. about last year. That's right. Uh, the rest, yeah, you probably <laughs> didn't keep score. But well, we haven't uh, had a lot of them lately. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it <laughs> might be coming, and then again, it might not. Yes. But. Um, I will say, as we talk about discipleship and life group, I know uh, my wife and I, 
um, and the kids ventured into this past year, and we haven't done this in a while, but a small group. And it mm. has, it has, it's Sunday nights, and there's some Sunday nights. It's painful because baseball, because uh, sure. whatever else we have going on in our volleyball for another member of the life group uh, going on. But it, we've made it a priority, and it truly has helped. And where we've seen it the most is not just in our life, in our kids' lives, yes. you know, and getting involved. And I know small group, life group, there's a little distinction there, uh, as in one meets on Sunday and, or I guess we, they both meet on Sundays. I think about it for us, yeah. uh, but Sunday morning yeah. and all that, but. Well, and that's one of the things is as God continues to grow our church, uh, you know, at some point we, we're going to have to be, get creative about where we have groups and stuff. And so I grew up, you know, I've, I've been in church <laughs> since the day <laughs> I was born. And so to me, well, of course my Sunday school group meets out on campus. Well, yeah, in America, when you have the space, you should do that. The rest of the world, that's not always the case. In fact, a lot of churches in America, you get creative about your life group. It's still a life group, but why does a life group have to meet on this campus uh, on a Sunday morning and during these times? Uh, again, the rest of the world doesn't do that. A lot of other churches in America don't do that. So as we move forward as a church, you know, we're going to probably have to have more Sunday night life groups, more Tuesday night life groups, more Thursday night life groups, more... Sunday night life groups, you know, um, and that's, man, what a great problem to have. But honestly, what you're describing is, uh, you know, sometimes even better because the, that intimacy, that vulnerability, the, the, the reason that people go to groups, you know, uh, is sometimes even greater when it's, you know, Hey, it's four or five couples and we meet in a house or, or whatever, as opposed to, so, uh, that's exciting what you're doing. I, I think that's more maybe the future for our church. And I'll say ours is ours is messy, not because of emotional stuff, but more we have kids from oh, every yeah. age. Some have <laughs> college, some even have grown um, adults with with kids, their grandkids, and but uh, young kids. And we let the kids all go play, and our, that's that's why our kids love it. They go. They yeah. if they have a pool, they swim. If they go upstairs, some sometimes they go outside and play in the front yard. And then we meet, knowing it's going to be loud knowing it's whatever, and we watch a video, and then we actually don't have a leader. We share that, so it's not even the excuse of who's going to lead it. We just take turns in whatever the questions are uh, in the book. Someone leads those questions if it's your house and right. bring potluck and and all that, and, and it's been great. We did it years ago, and then because of kids, we were always kind of timid, but per encouragement, we, we tried it, and we've gone out, and we love our love our small group. Yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't think it's a good idea. It's just the, uh, you know, everything good and valuable has a price to it. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if I give you something, say, hey, man, you want one of these? They were free. You immediately subconsciously be like, eh, how great can it be if you're giving it to me for free? Uh, so things that are of value have a price and 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 community has a price. Um, but again, you're never going to find somebody that, that says, no, I think community is a dumb idea. I don't want to do that. Uh, or I haven't run across those people. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, there's a and then the the other obstacle for us is again when you grow up in church like I have and like a lot of people have, and you're so used to the way we've always done it, which is no, I have my adult group and my kids go to the kids. So, we if we're just super honest as Americans, we get a little bit entitled on that. And when the, again, the truth of the matter is, a lot of churches in America do what you're talking about. Churches across the globe don't have what we're used to. And by the way, the early church and the church for a long time, <laughs> for thousands of years, uh, didn't look like what it looks like for us, what we've known the last 
20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Uh, but uh, I think church, again, if we're going to continue to be on our mission to reach people and make disciples who live in love like Jesus, uh, there's a guy, Andy Stanley, he says, you know, you, be, you need to be married to your mission, but you need to date your methods. And so yeah. uh, it's exciting to think that our church, you know, we're, we're, we've, we're almost being forced into figuring out how are we going to continue to make disciples in new ways yeah. moving forward, you know? And I know for us, the reason we're in the small group, because I, I wouldn't discourage you from trying one of our life groups. They're great. hundred oh, uh, percent. But the reason, you know, uh, I serve on Sundays as does Chris and we're running around and I've tried to sit with my wife, uh, in yeah. a life group and, <laughs> and it never works because my brain is working. Okay. What's the next slide? What's, the next point, Sam, and and running around trying to solve that. So this has been our solution. And I would say if you're married or single, uh, start praying for that community because I know you say grow, mm. um, and that is one of the keys. But I would also say it's it's doing life together. It's the highs and the lows and then being able to surround you in those lows too. Yes. You know? it's uh, uh, Yeah, if you're not in a group, you're foregoing one of the great blessings God has for you, which is kind of the safety net for your life. You know, uh, so that's one thing. Then the other thing is, you know, Sam talks about, he's used this phrase, and I, I assume he'll continue to use it, um, that one of the great blessings is not only the love of God to you, but through you. Mm-hmm. So if you don't watch out, and nobody intends for this, but you get in a group about, and you and you say, well, I wonder what they can do for me. I wonder, I want to hope this, my life group teacher has a great lesson for me today. I hope I can learn something about the Bible. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But the greatest joy of following Christ is not only God's love to you, but through you. And so why do I need to be in a group? Well, for your personal growth, yes. But also one of the way God grows is when you serve someone else, when you get your eyes off of yourself. Well, opportunities to serve people come up in groups. You know, somebody has a baby in your group or or somebody's, you know, their kid falls and breaks their arm and they're in the hospital or that's where you get to use your spiritual gifts. And that's really, really where you grow a ton is the the love of God passing t- into you and then through you to someone else. That really makes a disciple. That's one of the key things to make a disciple. If you're not in a group, I don't know that you're aware of these opportunities to use your gifts to serve and for the love of God to flow through you to someone else. Now, if you know the kids in our small group, yes, we may have the broken arm. <laughs> not sure any of the couples in my group are going to have a baby anytime soon, but <laughs> the broken arm more, more likely. Okay, let me back up a little bit. Great. Because um, we talked through some questions just as we came through here, but it seems like discipleship is a big passion. We've been talking about it now for about five, six minutes. Why is it a passion of our le- our church leadership and of this church? And you kind of answered it, but yeah. just give me another chance to... Um, wow, we don't have time for this, but okay, I'll do my best. Um, I believe... I'm, I'm real big on why are we doing this? What do we do? Why are we doing what we're doing? I always want to ask that, you know, people kind of lose sight of the force for the trees. So I think a lot of people come to church on Sunday and they're just, okay, well, what does Sam have for me? Blah, blah, blah. I want everyone to be thinking, well, yeah, what? Am, why did Christ come for me? Why did he redeem me? Why did he save me? If, if I, you know, one of the benefits of following Christ and becoming and giving your life to Christ is, hey, I'm going to be with Christ forever and in, in, in this perfect kingdom. Well, heck, why don't we just go all do that? You know, so why does he have us here? Well, he's he. I think the Bible's pretty clear. 
his one of his main goals, if not his main purpose for us, is to bring the kingdom of God here. He kind of inaugurated that when he came. He gave the Holy Spirit to help us do that. But it's not going to fully happen until he comes back, which we've been uh, talking about recently in the sermons, you know, prophecy. So where am I going with that? So why am I here? Why am I left here? To expand the kingdom. Now, how do I do that? That's why, why is discipleship a big deal? One, uh, you know, where I meet with someone, not just so that they'll be a better Christ follower, but that they'll be a better Christ follower and that they'll turn around and help someone else be a better Christ follower and, be, and then pop, 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 pop. And you say, I just believe that is the model that our Savior showed us. This is how you expand the kingdom. If you look at it, and I've made this point before to people, Jesus could have gone to Rome, set up in the Colosseum that holds about 50,000 and done a revival every night. And probably packed it out. Taylor Swift style. Totally. She's about to have a concert. Yeah, except they didn't have to get recording. their tickets through Ticketmaster, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, we how did. How we, did they do tickets? Don't worry about then. that. We digress. They did it on their phones. It was fine. Um, no, but he doesn't. What does he do? He relationally connects and intentionally invests his life in some other guys, by the way, who are kind of knuckleheads, some of them. And the reason that we're all Christ followers today in 2023 is because of that plan. That's how the kingdom expands. So why is discipleship a big passion for Sam, me, and our leaders of our church? Because that's the way this works. That's how you expand the kingdom. And that you say, well, why we need to, That's why we're here. Jesus in his, in his prayer, the Lord's Prayer, he said, one of the very first things he says in that prayer, thy kingdom come. He, if you, I did a study about a year or two ago, and one of every 12 verses in the Gospels, one out of every 12 verses in the Gospels mentions the kingdom. That's weird sounding to us because we're in America <laughs> and the whole founding of America was we don't want a king and we don't want a kingdom. Yeah. And I, I get it. But uh, the Bible presents, and Jesus, again, it, when he rolled up into a town, he talked about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. So what is the kingdom? The kingdom is the things we read about, like in the Sermon on the Mount where people are treated with dignity, where parents love their children, where people sacrifice for one another. We use our, we, we use our tongue wisely and not to tear down people. This is kingdom living. Well, how does the kingdom come? Through discipleship, intentional discipleship of people who then turn around. And again, not just, I did discipleship wrong. For, and I was a minister and I went to seminary. <laughs> and I did it wrong. I think I did it wrong for 17 years, probably. Maybe, no, maybe longer than that. Until the Lord revealed to me kindly, I think, and led me to repentance. I always thought discipleship was, I knew, of course, I was doing student ministry a hundred years ago with stone tablets. <laughs> I was And Ticketmaster. And Ticketmaster. Ticket <laughs> uh, I always thought my job was to get these, you know, junior and senior boys to, you know, quit drinking and dipping at you and going out with the girls who do and try to get them to read their Bible and stuff, which, by the way, that's true. But I never had this longer term thought of, no, I want these young men to become church leaders. I want these guys to to turn around and meet with another guy and help that guy do. I never thought to the second and third generation. And I think Jesus thought that way. Um, you see it in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Paul, one, tells Timothy, two, that the things I've told you in, in front of everyone, I want you to entrust that to reliable men, three, who will then teach others, four. So Paul, there's four generations, three generations from Paul. When we talk, earlier we were talking about the servant, and I said Jesus style, that's what I'm talking about. Jesus was thinking down the road. Paul is thinking third, fourth generation. 
American church, including me, and I was part of the problem. I mean, I would have guys come to me in my previous church. Hey, man, I want to be a disciple. Cool. Get in this group and do this book study, and then you'll be a disciple. Well, it's not bad to be in a group, and it's not bad to read and have God maybe show you things through a book. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, but I never, ever cast a vision for them. And then why don't you turn around and get some guys and go through that book with them? And then get them to then, what guys can those guys meet with? And I never thought like that. And so why is discipleship a big deal? Because our job is to expand the kingdom, and it's the way that Jesus showed us how to do it. That's why. Not, it's not about, unfortunately, again, in America, especially in Texas, where every, bigger is better. I always thought that our, my job as a minister is to get a bunch of people to come to church. And I have repented of that and realized, no, my job is to make disciples. That's how you grow it. Uh, and so that's why it's a big deal. I could talk about this like 100 hours a day. And and I would say, if you're looking for help, a way to do it, as and I'll, I'll put words in Sam's mouth because he says it yes, this way, yes, yes. a way, not the way, I think it's on our website at firstmckinney.com slash dgroups. And it kind of, and and when you hear the word dgroups, that's what we're talking about, this yes. Jesus-style discipleship. Uh, in it can look multiple ways, but mainly yes. to summarize it real quick, it's someone walking through a group with three or four people the way uh, we find the best way to do it. Again, it's a way, not the way. Um, it's kind of using our version Bible reading plan that we set out, which will start again in the book of Daniel, and we'll go from... Dan- it's not reading through Daniel, but we'll start it then, and it goes through to the end of the year. Um, I think it's the greatest story ever told is the one we're picking now, and it's a chapter a day working through Old and New Testament kind of switching every few days, but you walk through with people and you do the SOS plan, which Sam has outlined. And again, if you need more help with that, it's at that firstmckinney.com slash dgroups and kind of walks through. Again, it's a way. I know of someone that's uh, done it several different ways. Sometimes there's uh, male, female, uh, different ways done there too. So it just kind of varies, but that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. Not just, okay, let's do a Bible study, move on. It's kind of that multiplication that we talked about through multiply, it's that multiplication part. And I, yes, that's the thing. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I have a way I like to disciple people. Okay, first of all, if you're doing it, I'm I'm like your greatest champion. I want to, you know, I'm not going to, but I want to kiss you on the mouth. Okay, cool. Uh, my only pushback on people would be, okay, that's cool you did that. Did did the folks you meet with, did you know, after five years, did they ever turn around and do anything? Oh, no, they, they just kind of fizzled out after that. That's what's happened in America in church. And you say, why is the church in America doing so poorly? I don't know how we got off track. Maybe it was the church growth movement. I don't I don't know where we lost our way, but we got away from this idea that a church member, what my role is, is to bring the kingdom and then to do this Jesus stuff. And so why are most churches declining and going down the tubes in America? We got away from doing it what Jesus told us to do. Jesus did not say, I've, you know, uh, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give it, give you life so that you'll just go to church a bunch and throw some money in the plate. <laughs> yeah. That's not what he said. He wants you to have this abundant life. Well, what is that abundant life? I think it's living it the way Jesus did it. Well, what did Jesus do? He met with 12 guys for three years, got them ready to go, and then said, I'm leaving. Just keep doing this till I come back. That's the Great Commission. And just even do what those, I did with you. Just keep doing that. Even of those 12 guys, he pulled some out yeah, and three. dug a little deeper. Yes. And, yes, yes. and and took them. Yeah. Um, now, let me ask this, okay. and I'm using air quotes when I say discipleship programs, because we, yeah, we, as I that. said, we really don't have programs. <laughs> right. Uh, we have this idea, and we're trying to 
to catch fire. Um, but what are some next steps okay. at the church that we have for that? This is the frustrating thing, just to be totally honest, is um, if if 500 people came up, said, Chris, man, I'm down with what you're saying. Uh, I want to do that tomorrow. <clears throat> we don't have the infrastructure yet, and that's what we're working on very much right now, uh, to do that because uh, there's a there's a myth in church that says, well, you just sign them all up and you put them in groups and then you give them a book and now they're d- they're doing discipleship. No, no, <laughs> that will kill it. I, I've done that. It kills it. <laughs> the way you learn how to be in a D group is to be in a D group. Therefore, you have to have leaders. So you can't just mass this thing. You know, hey, we're going to scale up to a thousand people in groups. Um and even the method and like, what are the, what are the key hallmarks of a good D group? Like if I do my D group, right, what are the four to five things that'll be true at the end? We are, I mean, literally meeting this week, next week, we're, we're, we're going to have that very soon. Uh, one of the best things, if you were interested in this, the best thing you could do is on April 23rd is our next discipleship summit, which is, will be right after church. Uh, we'll have a little lunch and we'll talk about that. That's the best thing you could do is come to the Discipleship Summit. Uh, you'll hear more about this. Uh, and then uh, hopefully we can get you where we're, we're sending you information, tips, uh, you know, maybe on a monthly basis. Uh, and again, you, you'd get more informed with that thing. So the, if you're interested in this, my, my first beg of you would be come to the Discipleship Summit. And I, I would say, um, as a parent, my heart, my heart always kind of bleeds towards parenting and that I would say start in the home. Oh, no question. 100% start discipling your kids uh, or find the person. I have two or three um, younger guys than me. It just happens to be that way that I meet with um, and kind of walking through uh, life with them. And right now we don't particularly have a study. I'm just meeting with them and they're they're both going through some tough times. So just kind of that meeting more or less. And sometimes, you know, that's like a good small group. You have to pause from what you're studying because life happens and sure. you got to deal with that. So I would say, yes, go to that 23rd. If you're listening to this after, just start, you know, yeah. find the person and go. The, we say the number one disciples you'll probably ever have, if you're, if you're, you know, of the age, the number one disciples you ever have live under your household right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I was amazingly convicted as I was raising my kids that if I don't disciple them, you know, I'm, I'm totally blowing it as a parent and I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. I'm just telling you, that was the conviction that I I was, God really spoke to me pretty harshly about that, that, you know, if you don't even disciple anybody else the rest of your life, you, and again, that doesn't ensure that your kid is always going to walk with the Lord. It doesn't, but you want to be able to lay your head on your pillow and say, I did everything a kid to lead, you know, I mean, I literally, if you ask my daughter right now to sh- do three circles, she can do it. Why? Because we sat at the breakfast table and I made her practice on me. Um, if you ask my son, <coughs> sorry, you know, what are the six questions you ask when you go to read a Bible passage? What does this say about God? What does it say about man? Is there a promise to claim? Is it, uh, uh, So basically you had seminary class in your, no, I'm no, my poor kids. They probably were like, uh, I mean, and, and as a parent, you got to know that when you're doing it, no, your kid's not going to be like, Mother, father, thank you for leading me in the ways of the Lord. Not they're not going to do that. They're going to roll their eyes and, oh, do we have to do But if you have teenagers, they're doing a lot more than rolling their no eyes. Kidding. They're, they're making a TikTok video of how lame this is. But uh, but again, as a parent, that discipleship has to start in the home. Again, like you said, just start meeting with some guys. Some If you're a lady, obviously meet with ladies. 
you almost, I won't say you can't do it wrong because maybe you can, but if you're intentional and in, in saying, Lord, please use me to expand the kingdom, to invest in somebody else's life who will invest in somebody else's life, uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be on board with that. <laughs> and here's a wild thought. Go to someone older, wiser than you and ask to be discipled yourself. Yes. And you could start that way. Go yes. to the reverse of that and ask for yes. that because I would love someone to come up to me and yes. say that. Um, yes. Now, one quick way they can start the process at least, because um, I know in the fall we're going to be looking at some neighboring stuff yep. and how to minister to your neighbor. Yep. And we're not saying go disciple your neighbor right now, all those kind of things, because there is some relationship to there. Let's start the relationship first. But is Easter. Yes. Um, so the weird segue to get us there, but Easter. No. Um, well, okay, real quick. Yeah. This That's another myth in, in American Christianity. Oh, discipleship is where I take an already Christian who, and of course, this is a stupid scale, so just bear with me, but let's say they're a, on a scale of one to 10, and 10 is like, you're totally like Jesus. Oh, I'm gonna, discipleship in American church means I'm going to take a f- guy who's a four and help him become a, like a six or seven or eight. And that is, there's nothing, again, I can't start, there's nothing wrong with that. But we have no space in our mind and our definition in America under discipleship of, oh, it's actually the discipleship cycle, the discipleship cycle actually starts with evangelism. Because here's one of the problems, and I've already experienced this at one of the churches I worked at. If I define discipleship as I'm just going to get all the Christians in church to be more Christ-like, that's cool, but you're going to, what I call, fish out that pond pretty soon. Not everybody in church wants to be discipled. So after you go through all the people that want to be discipled, then you're like, well, I don't know what to do anymore. Well, the reason that that plan doesn't work is because that's not the plan. The Great Commission, it starts with evangelism, and then you teach them everything Jesus. So the segue to Easter, one of the ways you might find a, a disciple to disciple is someone comes, and if you are ever a part, God uses you in the life of someone else who gets saved— it's the second greatest feeling you're ever going to feel. And then it's going to force you to be like, oh, crud, <laughs> what am I going to do with this guy? Because this now, according to the Bible, he's a, he's a new creation. She's a new creation. They're, in fact, uh, the Bible actually talks about them being born again, you know, Nicodemus. So you basically have a, a baby that's been born. You're kind of, not their parent, but you were involved in that. And you need to, it, it raises up in you, why do I need to be doing discipleship? Because how is Johnny going to know how to live for the Lord? Who's going to tell him? Well, turns out God had you be a part of that invitation to Easter. They came to know Christ, blah, blah, blah. Turns out it's supposed to be you. And then you get real serious about now. How do you disciple someone? So Easter, uh, let me walk you through the events real quick. We have Good Friday that um, it's the Good Friday experience. It's literally a walkthrough uh, similar to a Stations of the Cross, if you've done that, but it's it's much more than that. But you kind of get to experience uh, what Jesus did. You can touch. Um, there's like a cross piece you can touch. You can taste some things all along that line, and then there's communion at the end of it. It's a great, if you have um, kind of younger kids, third, fourth, fifth grade, maybe that's not younger to you, but that it's a great experience for them to walk through. Uh, but no matter what age, it's a good time to just reflect on what Jesus did on the cross. And that's Friday of Good Friday 3 to 
8 p.m. Um, and there's usually a line, so just be prepared for that. And then we have Easter Fest. It's kind of a name change, some uh, new things to it, but Easter Fest on Saturday, and that's for kids of all ages. It's a great thing if you have a neighbor, a friend, a grandkid, uh, bring them to Easter Fest. And that's, I think, 3 to 5 p.m., bounce houses, all sorts of stuff. I don't know if there's pony rides, but Mia, Mia Kate loves pony rides, so I don't know. Um if not, I maybe may. you could just give everybody a, like a piggyback. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I was thinking about that, putting horse costume on or something. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, uh, three to five, and then we've kind of moved that Saturday service back. It's going to be inside because um, we're not sure about the weather at this point. But just to be safe, we're inside at five thirty. So you can go to three to five and then walk over to the worship center. Uh, five thirty, we'll have a Saturday service. It'll be very similar to the Sunday service. Um, and then Sunday, we have a sunrise at 7. It's out by our crosses, um, weather permitting, but out by our crosses, which is right in front of the Rock or Student Center. And then we have services at 8.30, 10 and 11.30. Again, uh, like every year, we ask you to kind of go to one of the bookends of those to the 8.30 or uh, 11.30, kind of give room for our guests at 10. Uh, it was our most attended service last year, uh, with 11.30 being the lightest. So if you're looking for one that uh, there's space for you to spread out a little. Go to the 11:30, but that's kind of our Easter services. Did you want to add anything? Yeah, I I made this challenge last year, and I'm gonna probably make it every year. Uh, I, if I would like to challenge everybody in our church, this either on Easter here are your two options: either bring someone or serve someone. You say, what does that mean? If you have a guest with you, great. You need to be focused on them, and you know, great. You're off the hook basically. If you're not gonna bring a guest, would you help us serve our guest? Help with the parking team. Help serve in children's ministry. Help uh, be an usher. Uh, I don't know. Uh, even, helping just at a minimum would be to go to the bookend services, but see if there's a way you can serve one hour and then enjoy the service the other hour. That that would be a, that would be my my wish for everybody in our church. And again, the key is invite, 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 invite. You know, uh, people so will come at Easter. Looking ahead, I've talked about Daniel a couple times and how we're looking forward to Chris's service on uh, <laughs> the, the goat with four horns Stop and all it. that. Uh, I think you have that one. I could be wrong on the chapters. But then, uh, and looking in the fall, we have a neighboring one. But also coming up, if you've been on social media, you've seen this. We have a marriage conference also. So if you're married, you look for those details. Uh, we'll release some of them on Easter Sunday too. But And then all of our summer events, great way to get your kid and start that discipleship process. Processes, get them in some of these uh, programs we have over the, the summer. Uh, Chris, I'll give you the final word, but again, I want to remind you, like, share this podcast, especially if you have someone interested in the discipleship process. Sam should be back. Again, we're looking at the crucifixion. Uh, you can text in questions about that. Text the word question 96123. And then, uh, as always, if you want to watch any of the sermons, they're firstmckinney.com slash on demand. Chris, you close us out. Well, hey, this is, I, I really enjoyed, I could talk about this 27 hours a day um, because I just, I feel like, uh, again, I said it earlier, I, I'm i always asking the question, why are we doing this? And I, I hope that you, who, if you're listening, you're thinking, yeah, I really need to spend some time thinking through what, what does it mean to be a Christ follower? Because that's what we are, we're Christ followers. Um, and if I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to do the things he did. 
Well, what did he do? Well, we know he he intentionally invested his life in others to expand the kingdom. So I hope this is a a challenge. I hope the spirit speaks to you. And uh, man, I just cannot tell you how excited, how excited I am to be at this church at this time where we're moving the ball forward and becoming this church of disciple makers. It's, uh, it's, it's really, really exciting. Thank you for joining us this week on Q&A at Deeper Dive. We hope you'll like, subscribe, and share this podcast along with others. You can submit your questions by texting QUESTION to 96123, and we'll discuss those each week. Again, thank you for joining us.